Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow. I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. With hosts Remy Casimir. I'll have what she's having. And Emily Lubin. Remember, shoot like you have a secret. We're here to amuse your boosh. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Emily. And I'm Remy. And today we're joined by author of the Body Liberation Project, speaker, former fitness and strength coach, and returning guest of DST, Chrissy King. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back again. This is great. We're so excited to be here with you. Yeah, on so this. excited to meet you because the last time you were on, we were not the hosts. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> we and, didn't go over in October. Yeah, so. and it was virtual too. So this is like a whole new experience oh. for me. Yes. Well, you match the room. You have Perfectly. these you? amazing yeah. pink pants on. <laughs> thank She's you, in thank you. pink. I'm obsessed. Um, and you have a book coming out. I yep. do. Very, very soon. It's coming out later this month. Yes. And it's called The Body Liberation Project. Yes. Whoa. Remy's Whoa, doing right a little <laughs> Remy's doing a little product placement. A little Dana White for you. Unbelievable. Um, Can you talk to us about your background and how yeah. this book came to be, essentially? How early do we want to start in life? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I struggled with body image since the time I was like as nine, eight, okay. nine years old. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I went to a small school in the suburbs. I was the only black kid in the class. Mm. And there was only other two other black kids in the school, my brother and my sister. Oh, um, my yeah, so, yeah. They were also my family. They were also my family. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I'm six feet tall. But when I was in the third grade, I was five, eight already. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I read that in your yeah. book. Yeah. And I audibly gasped. Yeah. And not because that's like so freakish, but because I am five foot eight now. And to think about a third grader a third being grader. the yeah. same height as me. It's that... not cool. It's not that cool. I mean, <laughs> and not even just because it's not cool, but like also like clothes aren't made for nine-year-olds right. to be right. like 5'8". Yeah. So I was like wearing awkward women's clothes. I had big feet. Mm. I couldn't, it just was, the whole thing was just really, really awkward. Desks were probably uncomfortable. Yeah. There was this picture. It's like this awful picture. I still have it. And it's like everybody is like a class picture and it's like uh, Thanksgiving. So we were dressed up as like, Pilgrims, Indian, Pilgrims and Indians, which is yeah. very problematic, but yeah. mm -hmm. I'm old, so we, we were doing that still. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the back of the class because I'm taller than the teacher, and I'm dressed like whatever in a pilgrim outfit, and I'm the only black person in the picture, and I just look so awkward. Oh, it's such yeah. a cringy picture. You know what I'm picturing? I'm picturing Will Ferrell and Elf. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he's at the was, desk yes. with all the other elves. Pretty much. That was pretty much it. So... I always was just like a little bit different. And I think that the one thing I felt like I could control, I was like, well, mm. at least if I can be thin, you know, I can't change all these other things, right. but I can that like if I'm going to be tall, at least I should try to look like a model. Right. Uh -huh. Like that's the thing I can strive for. And so yeah. I feel like it's it's either people tell you you should be a model if you're tall yes. or they tell you you should play basketball. One of the two. And I did try basketball for a while, but like I was kind of a nerd. I like to like read books and mm -hmm write stories. So I, basketball, we, we didn't get along that well for very long. So yeah. yeah. But in your book, you say that you were pretty okay with your size at the time. I was okay being tall. Like being tall didn't bother me. It was more so of like, I need to be the right kind of tall though. And you know, I didn't really 
get made fun of for being tall. So it wasn't really the height that bothered me. It was more so I'm like, okay, like I want to be the right kind of tall. I want to be a model tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And were you in a larger body? Were you classified as overweight? I'm, no, I don't think so. But like when you're next to kids that are like normal size, yeah, everything just feels big. You know, I, just I was feel saying like a to giant. Emily, I was like, I was 5'2 in third grade and I felt so yeah, tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I stopped growing. Yeah, I did not. You stop. continued no, on. I continued yeah. on. Um, so no, I really don't think I was. I think through high school, like I oftentimes struggled with feeling like there was something wrong with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when I look back at like my freshman year of high school, for example, and I see pictures, I was like so tall, so lanky. Like I didn't have any shape to my body yet. But even then, like I still was fixated on like totally. being smaller. Yeah. But then my junior year of high school, my parents went through a divorce. I definitely gained weight. And I don't even think I noticed But a boy in my class noticed and Mm. he made a joke about it in front of everyone. (sighs) And that's when I was like, oh, I got to fix something. And that's the time I remember going on like my first major diet, the Atkins diet. Okay, I was going to ask which one. Old Faithful faithful Atkins (laughs) diet. And this was like pre-internet. I mean, not really pre-internet, but kind of. So like I drove to the bookstore, Mm -hmm. purchased a book about the Atkins diet read it and followed it religiously like mm-hmm. to a T. What and is Atkins for people who like basically have never... no carbs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they probably call it key. It's like reinvented different names. Yeah. But... It's always it's cyclical and in a new yeah. package. A new it, package. It's like yeah. beta keto. Yes. Basically. Yes. yes beta keto. <laughs> beta keto. <laughs> that was exactly it. And so I did that and I lost like 30 pounds in like a couple of months. And I think that was the thing that really was like when I went to school, my peers, they were like so impressed with my weight loss uh-huh. and they were like, oh my God, you look so great. And people were like, tell me how you did it. And so that was the moment I was like, oh, people are going to like me better if I'm in yeah. a thinner body. Yeah, and yeah. so that was like, set me off for like the next decade of like yo-yo dieting. Oh, for sure. Um, And you have a past as a former fitness and strength coach. How did you get into that? And why did you get out of it? Yeah. So I got into it because I was like yo-yo dieting for all these years. Yeah. And it was just like doing these things that were super unsustainable that so always gained the way back. So I remember I finally joined the gym in like, I don't know, probably my early 20s because I was like, I'm going to lose the weight once and for all. I'm going to start exercising. And so I literally joined the gym with like one goal, make me skinny. And my first personal training session, which I hated. But I know this story <laughs> and I so hate this story. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, should I tell the story? Yes. So I did a session. It was like a trial session that you got. And the trainer, like he worked me so hard. I was like, I almost literally almost passed out. Like mm-hmm. I was shaking. Like they brought me sugar packets because I literally was oh, going to pass out. That's wild. how hard yeah. he worked me in my first session. But then like a dummy, I was like, yes, train me more. I'll go back. Yeah. I didn't train with him though. I got like a, a woman to be my trainer. But that first 30 minutes was like brutal. But and you know, he said lo- something at the end of it too. Oh, what did, I forgot that, like, what he probably did. When I'm done with you, you'll drop 30 pounds. Oh, yeah. Or something I mean, like he basically that. was like, This is what I needed to do. He was like, I'm going to help you get the body that you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't worked out with personal trainers too much, but in my experience, a lot of them do think that that is a successful session is Mm -hmm. let's take everything out of you. Like let's deplete your energy as much as possible. And that means it was a good workout. Yeah. And I, I mean, having been a trainer after that, I really think that's like the mark of a, an experienced trainer Mm because the goal really isn't to like want you to feel like you can't get off the floor and like walk out. That's not the marker of a good workout. I think he was like on a mission to prove to me that like he's a good trainer and that like he's going to help me and all of these things. Um, But also just assuming your goals. And also assuming. Yeah. 
Yeah. And assuming that, which is like a huge problem in the industry. Um, so anyways, I ended up signing up with another trainer at the gym. She introduced me to proper weight training. Like she didn't mm-hmm. try to like destroy me after every workout, but <laughs> just some, <laughs> just some of the workouts. Um, but one of the things, and again, it was, you know, we were both part of the problem because I very much indicated to her that weight loss was a priority for right. me. Um, so she gave me a diet to do and mm-hmm. she was like, only do this diet for 30 days. But it was a thousand calories a day, a Eek. day. And even though she said only do it for thirty days, like no one should ever be eating a th- like toddlers need more than a thousand mm-hmm. calories. And mm-hmm. so, and I was also doing like a ton of cardio outside of our sessions. But what happened was like my body responded right away because I was like eating nothing. Yeah. So then I kept doing it, and I did this like th- thousand calorie diet for probably like three or four months. Oh my god. Yeah. So it was pretty bad. Um. But anyways, through all of this, I did have like a quote unquote transformation. Um, and she and her boyfriend opened their own strength training gym. And so when I started going to that gym, her boyfriend was like training women and like powerlifting and they were like bench pressing and like deadlifting and squatting. And I was like, wow, that looks badass. Yeah. Like I've never done anything like yeah. that. And he introduced me to powerlifting. Ooh. And like I literally fell in love with it, started competing, got super strong. Wow. Amazing. So yeah. you went from your Pretty much your only focus yes. was being skinny <laughs> yes. and let's do as much cardio and whatever I can to lose weight yeah. to, wow, women can power lift and like yeah. it's actually really badass and yeah. you're, now you're competing. Yeah. yeah it That's was a big super, transformation. It is. It happened over the course of like a couple of years. Um, but one thing I will say is like even when I was powerlifting competitively, I was still really focused on like maintaining my uh-huh. body and the way it looked. So that was like definitely part of it. But I do think that powerlifting really helped me to start thinking about my body a little bit differently though. Like, oh, my body's really powerful and like really and capable. capable. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, it can do really cool things. It's more than just what it looks like. So I think that was a really important part for me to start to change my relationship yeah. with my body. That's yeah. what I was saying about, have you been watching Physical 100? No, but I saw like the, yeah. yes, the previous it's for just it. just so cool to see what they're capable of, but also just in the going from wanting to be thin to wanting to build muscle thing. I feel yeah. like that's a transformation I've done recently yeah. where I've always been like, I want my arms to be thin, but now I'm like, well, I'm okay that my arms look a certain way, but now I want them to be jacked. Yeah. Like I never wanted jacked arms because I thought that was so unfeminine. Yeah, and I I definitely had that moment. I was like, oh, it's cool for like women yeah. to have muscle is like really awesome and like something that I don't think we get taught when we're younger, right? Mm-hmm. We're like that's for guys or for men, but to like really we don't need that. Yeah, we don't do we stuff don't do with things. Arms. Well, but that yes. are boys to open jars. That, yes. That's the thing. Like <laughs> that is what is really interesting to me about about us not thinking that it's feminine to build muscle is muscle actually helps you accomplish things. Yes. For example, I I was just visiting my grandma and, um, and we went to the beach together and she needed help standing up. Yep. And I was the only one who could physically lift her Mm -hmm. up. And I have moments like that all the time where it clicks for me. Like, Oh yeah. Being muscular is actually useful out in the world. Whereas, just focusing on being as thin as you can. Yes. It actually makes that? you debilitated yeah, exactly. sometimes. You can't do as yeah. much. Yeah, like muscle is very functional for life. And mm-hmm. it's so funny too, because when I was younger, I was like the weakling in my family. Like mm. everybody referred to me as that. And I was like, I don't care, whatever. And then when I started strength training, I was like, oh, strength is a skill just like any other skill. You can build strength. And so yeah. even when I was like powerlifting, like my first like session with my trainer, like I couldn't even like do push-ups and like walking lunges, like everything was so hard. 
And at the height of when I was competing, I was like deadlifting over 400 pounds. I was wow. squatting over 300 pounds. And I was like, oh, I never knew that my body was capable of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you tell us a, a little bit about body liberation and mm-hmm. what that term means? Yeah. And is that different from body positivity? I, I just want to hear body neutrality. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think they're all different. So uh, I think body positivity is a term most of us are most familiar with. And I think that when I was starting to work on my relationship with my body, that's the that was like the gateway for me. Like it really opened my eyes to the idea that I could think about my body differently. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some shortcomings in the body positivity space, especially as it's become more mainstream and a little bit whitewashed. And I think it's a little short-sighted sometimes. And it's really hyper-focused on just like this love yourself and say these mantras in the mirror. You see yeah. a lot of people on Instagram with like the hashtag body positivity and it's like pictures talking about embracing your cellulite and like, mm-hmm. yes, those are real things. We all have body image issues. But when I'm thinking about body liberation, I'm really talking about this understanding that truly at our essence and our core, our bodies really are the least interesting thing about us. And I know that sounds cliche, but when we really think about it, like our bodies are really just the vessel that gets a, us through life. Yeah, it's just yeah. letting us have this life experience. Yeah. And and I think when we start to realize and embrace that more, it's easy for us to find a place of peace with our bodies because we recognize that, number one, they're supposed to change. And that, number two, like, uh, it's literally just a vessel. It's just letting us have this experience. Mm-hmm. And the experience is the thing that we want to be here having and doing. Um, and I think also, for me, body liberation, too, also leans more into the social justice aspect. Yeah. Understanding that we need to work towards dismantling the systems Because sometimes body positivity is super focused on self-love, which is very important. I spend a lot of time in the book talking about why it's important to love yourself. But the reality is, even if you really love yourself, you still can experience harm in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, how are we working to dismantle systems so that hopefully less of us are experiencing harm and therefore having an easier time embracing our bodies? Right. It's easy to say, I'm happy with me. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to be met with negativity. Exactly. If nobody else is talking about it. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Also, if everybody out in the world is telling you that you're wrong, it's yes. very difficult to feel like you're not wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing that we are, is missing from the conversation a lot, right? Like we exist in a world where thin privilege is really real. Mm-hmm. Fat phobia is real. And so I can love myself, but that does not mean that I'm not going to experience harm. And so how are we really working to mitigate that harm? A lot of different aspects too yes it's not just body size it's race it's your background it's sexuality sexuality gender gender, yeah Mm -hmm. everything that needs to just be like we need to treat people better on the whole yes because yeah you can say i love me i love me i love me but like you need your community too absolutely yeah Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat,
throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And they're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life, so it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y.com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. We talk about this frequently, but a lot of these beauty standards that we feel like we need to fit into are Eurocentric yeah. beauty standards. And I'm sure growing up in a mostly white neighborhood, mm-hmm. you experience some of that. I'd love to hear some like Yeah, that example. didn't help. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that didn't help. Um, yeah. And so when we're thinking about like Euro, even like, yeah, Eurocentric beauty standards, thinking about like all the self-love in the world is important. But if I live in a society that tells me like the way that I exist mm-hmm. is not what is considered beautiful, like it's really hard to still see yourself as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me growing up, uh, I'm an 80s baby. I was, <laughs> uh, yeah. was born in mid 80s. So I grew up, I say, in the 90s. But like in the 90s, that's also like supermodel thin. Yeah. And I remember I told a story in there of like remembering being at the grocery store and seeing like a magazine with Pamela Anderson on the front of it and it was like a beautiful blonde bombshell and I was like wow I can never be a beautiful blonde bombshell that's actually not possible for me so what can I be and I'm like well I can be the thin part right so it's like Mm. again when we're talking about um Eurocentric standards of beauty is like also proximity to privilege. Yes. And so in what ways can I access privilege yeah. if some things aren't available for me and never will be available for me? Yeah. What boxes can I what, force myself yes, into? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I'm trying to think it's like you could aspire to be like Naomi Campbell. Right. But again, very, you know, Barbie doll features. Yes. And like it, she still fits into a very narrow definition of Absolutely. beauty. Absolutely. Yeah. And she was the only one, really, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like that was that was it though. But that was the one person I do remember is like, oh, Naomi Campbell. Okay, cool. But <laughs> same thing. She's like very much in aligned in as many ways as she could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you break out of that? That's the hard part, right? So <laughs> yeah. I think when we're thinking about, I always say breaking up with diet culture and diet culture is basically just the idea that it worships a system that worships thinness as the ideal, moralizes and demonizes certain types of food. And someone working to like break up with diet culture, that's the hard part. 
because for a lot of reasons, like we just said, it's it would be short sighted to say just like disregard it because we do live in a world yeah. in which you're getting a message every yeah. single day that tells you, no, that is important. And so how we start to, to unlearn those things, as I say, is to number one, recognize how harmful it really is for us. And the reality is like beauty standards are always changing. Mm-hmm. The body of what's the in body mm-hmm. is literally changing week to week day to day almost. And, and it's so, different in different countries and right it's now. in different places. Yeah. And so when we really think about the fact that if we are always trying to reach the standard that's always unattainable, we literally would spend the rest of our lives doing the same yeah. thing. And that was like my rock bottom moment. I was like in the thinnest body I'd ever been in, the leanest I'd ever been. Like I was getting validation from everyone around me, like strangers on the street, and I still was so miserable in the way I looked. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I'm literally going to spend the rest of my life like this. Mm -hmm. And it was draining me of like all of my energy, all of my creativity. And so it was like a moment of like, do I want to keep doing this forever or do I want to start fixing and repairing my relationship with body image? And that means also starting to question like where I'm deriving my worthiness from. Yeah. And a lot of us are deriving our worthiness from what we look like. And so it's like really internalizing this idea that I'm inherently worthy because I exist. Mm -hmm. And even when I'm getting these messages that that's not true, I have to keep coming back to myself and reminding myself of that because really that's the only thing I can hold on to in a world that tells me everything's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. How do you bridge the gap between like obviously to a certain degree when you go out into the world? And this isn't just for women. I mean, it's for men too. like everybody maintaining a a professional appearance or like putting like taking some pride in in your appearance and the way that you look. It does get you further, um, like whether it be professionally or in other areas. How do you bridge the gap between like deep? It doesn't actually matter what I look like. But then on the other hand, I'm going to put in this effort because. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that's really hard. And so I'm always encouraging people to be really compassionate with yourself on this journey, because the reality is, as you just spoke to, weight discrimination is a real thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about beauty standards, wearing for especially for black women, wearing your hair in a certain way Mm -hmm. is considered more professional in the workplace. It was illegal to wear hairstyle. It was illegal, right? Like, (laughs) so. There are these real realities that exist, which is why I always tell people, like, even if you understand the diet culture is really harmful to you, you still may be feeling called to participate. And I Mm -hmm. always say, like, really be compassionate with yourself because it is really challenging to navigate those spaces where you're like, I need to, you feel the need to conform, to get Mm -hmm. ahead in life. And that is just true, right? And I especially um, talk about this for BIPOC folks, for trans folks, people with multiple marginalized identities. If you're feeling like you are facing discrimination at every point in your life, maybe this one part is one thing that makes it a little bit easier for you to exist in the world. Uh-huh. And so I think we always have to keep that in mind. So I'm And really, don't feel guilty about and that. And don't feel guilty yeah. about it. So I'm always like, no matter what you're going through, the number one thing we can do for ourselves is to be compassionate because the last thing we need to be is harder on ourselves because uh-huh. of whatever it is that we're going through. It's like we always need to show ourselves compassion. And it's a very hard line to walk and when you understand the actual realities of it and even like other things like thinking about like shopping for clothes right mm-hmm. so many clothes only in stores only carry clothes to a certain size and so if you're living in a larger body in the world you are like daily perhaps having these microaggressions yeah and that feels really hard to continually deal with yeah 
I was even noticing, like, Emily makes fun of me because I have more personal merch than anybody in the entire world. But <laughs> this girl makes her own merch. Yeah. Like, slogans Anything on. I, I say, it. I make a merch. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm here for it. I noticed that the website that I make it through, I obviously, I don't, like, keep all the merch. It's like a dropship or whatever. When I make certain things, like, first of all, they're not all size inclusive. So yeah. I have to pick the ones that do have bigger sizes. But then even when I get to that, it is more expensive, yes. they say, to make the sizes or whatever. So I I always make them all the same price no matter what because I'd rather have no margin and people not feel excluded. But it's a yes. thing that you have to think about and be confronted with. Absolutely. I talk about that in the book. It's called a fat tax. Yeah. Like the fact that if you are purchasing clothes in larger sizes, sometimes they're going to charge you more for them. Mm-hmm. And like that's another microaggression that you're facing in the world. Mm-hmm. And so – it's all, I think, you know, and that's one of my things about the body positivity space is it sometimes make it seem like makes it seem like it's really easy. Like, just love yourself and just like embrace your yeah. flaws. And I'm like, there's a real difference between I don't like my stretch marks to living in a body that's actually systemically oppressed. And so yes. we have to acknowledge those are different experiences. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And while you're being oppressed, you're also having people tell you that there's something about you that you, that need, you need to change. change. Yeah. But and that's, not an, society. that's a, a part of the oppression. And it's, yes. it's for um, people of color. It's for people of like genders that aren't quote unquote the norm. Right. It's for anybody. It's for women, especially yes. these beauty standards are, I think, supposed to keep us tired because no, we can't do a lot of work if we're hungry. That's exactly it. No, it's we true. can't open stuff by ourselves if we're weak. No. You know, like we can't run away in heels. And then you and, and, and your whole day is spent thinking about these things instead of thinking about how to change stuff. That is ex- like literally, I feel like you like that spot on, and it's like a tool of the of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. the tool of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Because again, when you are so energetically drained thinking about all these things, you have no energy to do yeah. other things in the world. And so this is why it's like I wanted to write this book and why I'm so passionate about body liberation because I really know for me, once I was able to make those changes, how much it freed up my mental energy yeah. and my capacity to go out and create and create change in the world or just do whatever I want to do mm-hmm. because I had all the energy back and I don't think we realize how much it really drains us. And keeps us distracted. And yeah. it's like, think of the change we can make in the world with like millions of liberated people with this energy and capacity to be like, oh, let's go do something important in the world. Who are like down to support each other instead yes. of just compete. Because yes. we're like, instead of just comparing my body to your body, it's yes. like, let's do something together. Yes, exactly. You know, it's such like right now, I think in the news, we're talking about Selena and Haley Bieber oh and stuff. <laughs> and a lot of them are really going for what they look like. And yeah. I'm like, stop I know stop pitting them against each other for what they look like and you know what I think is so interesting about I'm down the TikTok rabbit hole on that too. too more than I wish to be more, <laughs> I but I know yeah. as much as I should I know more than I should but <laughs> we know a lot what I think is also so interesting about the conversation is that you know who's like missing from this whole dynamic is Justin, Justin. right? Where it's, is he? Where's Justin? Where are you now? So now we have the women like using their energy, bickering yeah. and fighting about, and Justin's nowhere to be found. And this happened with Justin Timberlake too. Yeah, when he he pulled off Janet's top, yes. like she was the one who was not allowed to perform at the Super Bowl after she got like I think dropped by yes. reps or something like that. The man never said anything until like last like, wh- year, and it was like what ten years later yeah. or something like yeah. that. It's like fine time to show up, Justin. Yeah. 
What did he say? I missed this. He actually lumped in his apologies for Janet and Brittany in the same together. post together. Yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, you really care. He's like, oh, let me just really say care this about wrong. these women individually. How dare you, These are totally Justin. similar issues. How dare you? You brought sexy back and then you did this and to you, us? Yeah. How fucking dare you. But yeah. I, have a, I have a question because in your book, you shared the story of the first time you really felt you had reached body liberation during the trip to Spain. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about that? Like, what was the vibe? Yeah. So, uh, when was that? In 2019, I think. Yeah. I got invited to go to Spain by a woman I, like, had just, I, like, didn't know that well. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah. Safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm. My dad would make you watch Taken. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a Sagittarius, <laughs> you know. Okay. I like adventure. I'm like, yeah. there's a few things I'm going to turn down. I like a good time. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> story, if nothing else. If nothing else. Do it for the story. book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So she was like, yeah, I'm getting a group of black women together and I just think it'll be fun. Do you want to come? I'm like, sure. I've never yeah. been to Madrid. I'll go. And so it was like seven of us. And I we were just like having we literally had the best time. Like I'm friends with so many people from the trip now. Unreal. And it was just like an amazing trip. But I had this and we were just like eating. Like if you've been to Spain before, the food is tapas. unreal. Right. Yeah. So good. The wine is amazing. Like everything's so great. So paella. I'm just, paella. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When you get it at the bottom of the yeah. pan and it's all yeah. burst. And it's like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so we're getting good. super passionate. Yes. Yeah. We need to go. Right. <laughs> So I was just having the best time and like eating all these foods and like drinking everything and just like really enjoy, enjoying the moment, just cherishing it. And I was like sitting at like dinner one time, just looking around, everyone's laughing and having a good time. And I just like have this moment of realization that I went on this trip with people I didn't even know. And not one time in the entire trip have I been worried about what I look like, worried about what I'm uh-huh. eating, worried about not working out, worried about gaining weight, like none of it. I was like, wow, this is just like I'm able to be present yeah. and really enjoy this moment and just be so full. And a few years before that, like going on a weekend trip getaway was like torture to me because yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't control everything I eat. Yep. I'm going to miss a workout. It's going to, you know, all the things. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is what freedom feels like, like being able to be and this experience, cherish the moments and just enjoy myself. And like live and, life. And like literally, yeah. this is, oh, this is what living life is supposed <laughs> yeah. to feel yeah. like. This Not just amazing. like waiting for life to happen. Yes. Just like being in the moment. Yeah. And I yeah. just think of in the past, like so many times, like I have a vivid memories of like going to the beach and being so worried about what I look like that mm-hmm. I like couldn't really be present and enjoy it. And this was just like, oh, I haven't even thought about that. Like so this nice. feels so good. I think it has to do with a group of friends, too. Right? And that, I was just yes. going to say that, yeah. like, do you think that some of that or most of it might have to do with surrounding yourself with people who are like minded in that way? I think surrounding yourself with people who are like minded is so key um, mm-hmm. on this journey because it makes such a difference to be with people who are also not like talking about diet culture all the time or talking about fat loss all the time or how they want to change their body. Like, I think that's one of the keys that I recommend to people when you're trying to like break up with diet culture is really surrounding yourself with people who are going to support you in that journey. And they do exist. And they They do do exist. I think, you know, when when I was deeply entrenched in diet culture, I really thought that that's the way everybody thought. But really, that's just who I was surrounding myself with. And now that I'm not, I see that most people really are. Yes, you can build like a better that. world for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's so important, and and it feels so different to be to find your people that have similar values. It it makes such a change, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. such a difference, I should say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Selling a little... Or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. So what advice would you have for somebody who maybe they keep company of people who are deeply entrenched in diet culture, yeah, but how they want to find your out? new friends? Like I know she contacted you, but. Um, how did I find my new friends? So for one, like I think uh, over the last like Five years, my friend group has turned distance a lot. I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was, I felt in a lot of ways I was like restarting my friend circle mm-hmm. anyway. It was like a renaissance. Yeah, it was a renaissance of sorts. Uh, Your Beyonce. The, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'll take any Beyonce reference. She is not a Virgo. She's a Sag. <laughs> true, true. That's true. true. It's very different energy, but. <laughs> We're both Virgos. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think a couple of things. I'm, I have so many thoughts going through my mind now. <laughs> Um, so one thing I will say is that when I really started to make these shifts and really change my relationship with my body, I also realized that weight loss for a lot of us is the low hanging fruit, mm. meaning when feel things feel out of control in our lives or not feel good, you're like, but I can change this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that when I addressed that and I made all these other, like so many other changes in my life, I moved across the country, I left my partner, like. Uh, long-term partner dump them you guys no, but listen, <laughs> no. I, I, my partner was great i always like to preface this my partner is great we're yeah. still friends we yeah. just weren't the right people for each other okay but i was married to him for like 11 years oh wow yeah so like that's so healthy you guys still talk oh, no we, still he, we're really good friends he's he's a wonderful person we just we got married really young like we had no mm. business getting married at 22 mm. 22 right and so, no, he's wonderful. He's still, he lives in Wisconsin. My family sees him all the time. It's like, I always say it's the most healthy, like platonic divorce of yeah, all time. That's amazing. That's nice. No, it's great. But I think, so I did that. I quit my corporate job. Like I just, because I was like, oh, there's all these things that are really making me unsettled, but instead I'm focusing on my body. Mm-hmm. And so t- similarly said, that same time, I like, I just started 
feeling like I was putting myself in different environments, meeting different people, and just connecting with people that felt more like the person that I really was. Uh, that Yeah, because yeah, also we forget that like we grow up. Yes. And yeah. that like we can kind of change because yeah. like I, I think about the people that I was best friends with when I was young and like some of them I'm in their weddings and I'm like, I wouldn't choose you today. <laughs> right. Well, that happens, you know? right? Yeah. And that is not that's just okay. okay. I think that's better than okay because I'm like, I would choose better. Not that they're bad people no. or anything, but it's like we would wouldn't. choose a better fit for you. Yeah. Yes. We wouldn't relate on issues. I don't want to talk about, like, these are people that talk about weight loss all yeah. the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can see the progress that you've made. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. kind of like a mirror yeah. in a way. What is your relationship to food and exercise now? Oh my gosh, it's so much different, so much better. Mm. You know, when I was like, yeah, again, really entrenched in diet culture, even really entrenched in powerlifting, I literally was spending three hours a day in the gym, six days a week, which is intense. It's a lot of time. It's a a lot lot of time. Now, if I'm like 45 minutes, I'm like, yes, I did 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. two to three days a week. And also I'm just more in tune with what my body actually wants. And like, so I'm like, I think of movement as like, as like what brings me joy. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, I still like lifting weights. I still think it's badass. It's amazing. Um, Just not three hours worth. That's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. But also it's like if some days I feel like I just feel like going for a walk or my body just needs to do yoga. It's like I, I come back to like, what does my body actually need? And I'm mm-hmm. going to do the things that it really mm-hmm. needs and that it feels like enjoy what, what brings me joy. Yeah. And the same with food. I like... I love foods. I've always loved food, but I had such a bad relationship with it. And I had so many foods that were like off limits. Yep. Which also, when you make something off limits, that's the only thing you can think about. Like (laughs) you want all the things you can have. And now that I've like repaired my relationship with food, like I just have, I love all types of different foods, but there's nothing that I'm ever like obsessing about because I know it's always available to me. I love that. Isn't that yeah. crazy? Like, isn't that crazy when you start to experience that change? Like what, what would you say used to be? an out of control food for you or oh like gosh. a fear food, something that you couldn't stop eating? Um, a lot of, there's a lot of things. So like donuts, I had like this phase mm. where I was like obsessed with donuts and it kind of became my knowable and social. And I'd go to like a new city, visit a new place and I'd get like a dozen donuts. And I always made it like, oh, this is my cute little thing that I like to do when I'm on a trip. Yeah. But really it was like, oh, I'm on a trip. I can like have a cheat. And I just mm-hmm. eat uh-huh. like, you know, so many donuts, I'd feel sick. Um, and now I never even like really think about donuts anymore. I'm like, hilarious. Oh. If I see them, I'm like, oh, I don't really eat donuts. Or I'm sure if somebody brought donuts to a gathering, you might like oh, yeah. sample a few donuts. And yeah. then, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, I need to have all of them. Because yeah. I can't yeah. have, who knows when I'll have them again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, su- it's such a big shift. Like for me, it was ice cream. Mm. I could never, I, even if it was a half gallon container, I would always finish the container. And it's just crazy once you realize, like, oh yeah, I've had that container of ice cream in my freezer for months. throw it out now, yeah, actually. Yeah, it has freezer burn. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, but similarly, there's a food that I, I have like an aversion to now, mm. and that's gum. Interesting. Because it makes you hungry? No, because oh. when I was hungry, I would tell myself, I'm not really hungry, and my mouth just needs to do something. So I would chew gum uncontrollably all day long instead of like just eating food. Wait, do you know that that actually, it makes you hungry because it gets your salivary gland. So it was working against me? Yeah. It's literally like, it's bad because it makes your body expect food and then it's like readying your stomach and then it's like, well, that made it, well, that now I know I was so bad and I would just eat chew gum all day. I used to do that too. That there's this brand extra and they had these things, dessert delights. Yes. First of all, can I just say, 
whoever the chemist is who came up with these recipes deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. I agree. <laughs> okay? I agree. Because the key lime pie so tastes like key lime pie. It yes. does. The only thing is it lasts for like 10 seconds. seconds. That's why you have to keep <laughs> chewing it. Yeah. Yes. But the, but I would chew the gum too. And it's, there's nothing, I mean, there's got to be nothing worse for you, right? Because no, you're, sure. you're just it's like horrible. chewing on urethritol or whatever it's called like yeah and and it does make you hungrier yeah but I actually used to um this trigger warning guys but you know like the pro Anna boards and you know people would like give tips on how to eat as little as possible they would always tell you to chew gum yeah because you could get a little bit of flavor Mm -hmm. flavor but fewer calories and it was like your mouth the sensation of like your mouth having food in it Mm -hmm, but it's mm -hmm. not I think I learned my fact from also that though oh okay that it would be like you think this is a trick but it's actually going to make you hungrier interesting interesting yeah well, I yeah. went through a lot of gum in those days. But also, if you, you just like gum to make your breath smell <laughs> no, you good, like that's gum. so good. Yeah, and no judgment. There's on no that. judgment There's not on dessert gum. delights unless not- <laughs> you want your breath to smell like birthday cake. Um, but-, <laughs> but yeah, I've had, and now I'm like, I don't even like gum, period. I just can't do it anymore. Mm. And what about nowadays? Do you experience racism in the wellness community? Because we're talking about, about racism and how this plays into all of it. Like, in what ways, whether it be microaggressions or otherwise, do you experience that in the wellness community? So this is a great question. So I have been talking about like the need for more anti-racism and, and diversity, inclusion and wellness, like since like 2016, 2017. Um, and people really were not here for the conversation in 2016, 2017. Yeah. They were like, what? No, what are you talking about? Get out of here. Mm. But then 2020, murder of George Floyd yeah. and all of a sudden People on this were like, oh, my gosh, racism is real. And I was like, yeah, I've been saying that for a few years now. That's so interesting that yeah. 2016, they weren't they, no, hip to it because to I it. feel like a lot of us were our eyes were open to how many racists there yeah. still are when Trump was. Running I know the first you, time. Would, you would have thought. And yeah, and so it's so interesting because I think about like 2020 and George Floyd era so much because I don't know what about that time was like the thing. I think I know. What do you think it is? I think it's because we were all forced house, to deal with it. Yeah, and we yeah. couldn't go and you do all the do things. You couldn't do anything else. You couldn't, yeah. like, yeah, decide it. Oh, it's actually not happening. This was the only thing that was happening, and you yeah. had to confront it. And I guess that probably was, like, what it was, because I was like, y'all, this is, like, also, you know, the murder of George Floyd was horrible, but it also was not the first time. I mean, no. this is, like, no. yeah, not you know by a long shot. So um, I think that after that, I think the wellness industry has been somewhat more interested in conversations about it. Um, I, th- I think there's so many wellness is for everyone, obviously. And mm-hmm. like, I think the benefits of wellness are so important for all of us. But in so many spaces, it feels very elitist. Yeah. It feels very exclusive. It feels very unwelcoming sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I just think that like casual, I'm going to say casual. Yeah, I say casual reason. I'm talking about microaggressions, right? Yeah. Um, happen all the time. I went to a, a gym that I used to frequent when I lived in Wisconsin still. Like literally was always, I was always experiencing microaggressions at this gym. The music was like, I'd be like the only black person in the space. Mm-hmm. The music was always like dropping the N word yeah. and people were saying oh, it. Yeah. It just was so uncomfortable. I remember a lot of police officers worked out at this gym, which was really uncomfortable. And I remember this one time, like this one person like singled me out and was like, what do you think about police brutality? And I was like, "Okay, this feels like a microaggression right (laughs) now. It feels like a macro. Right. Yeah. And it's just like so many uncomfortable situations. Um, And so I just think that. 
overall, we just need to do a better job because again, people need to have access to wellness, whether it be in the mm -hmm. gym or like meditation practices, whatever it is, and feel safe and 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 not even just like welcome, but like respected in those environments and mm -hmm. that the environment were actually created with people like themselves in mind as well. Mm -hmm. This yeah. isn't a racial microaggression, but I recently went to a workout class where it was for influencers. Okay. That sounds like a the, bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to go, but I was like, you know, I've never been invited to one of these. I'll, I'll check it out. Why not? And before they'd asked us our sizes and stuff and Emily was invited to, and we were talking about, Oh, what sizes? And blah, blah, blah. I ended up not being able to go, but they did ask my size. Yes. Okay. They asked our true. sizes, okay. but then I got there and they were like, oh, wouldn't you know it's one size fits all. What? Yeah. And I What's was a, like, one size fits all what? I said one size <laughs> like what, fits. What, it, what were you wearing? Like leggings? Like a whole outfit? Leg, literally a it was leggings bra. and a sports bra. How can that be one size fits all? I tried on one of the cuts and I was like, absolutely not. Like it, it hurt my armpits and stuff. I was like, you have to have no arms and no tits <laughs> to wear this thing. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, it ended up fitting, but it was just like. Everybody in the class looked identical. Like yeah. it was very. And like, they expected that. And they expected well, that. What they had one size fit all. Like how, yeah. I never even heard of one size fits all. Except like, for workout the little, clothes. Uh, neither have I. Oh. Yeah. But I I did actually think of that um, in terms of like inclusivity with active yes, wear because that, that's only come about in the past few years. Absolutely. I think. 100%. I feel like that's very new as well. Um, but also like back to that class, like obviously they had a certain demographic in mind because right. what would some what, what would someone like me have done? Literally. Like, like I couldn't fit into that, Word right? on your head? When, when, I, when I didn't fit into the first bra, I was like, so should I leave? Yeah. Because and, and other you don't want to be working out in something that's physically uncomfortable no right. but also i don't want to be around people that want me to just fit in that thing yeah yeah right yeah, absolutely yeah and also there were people in the class that didn't fit in and they stuck out like a sore fucking because they had to wear something because different, they had to wear right? something else yeah That's so wild yeah and i hate that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, don't, I don't like it. Either. I don't think that's every class, but I do think most classes. I remember when I first started doing yoga or whatever, you would walk in and everybody did look the same or whatever. And you just felt so like, like even I, I, I'm white, you know, like I'm from the Upper East Side. I should fit in. I didn't fit in. So I can't imagine the other layers that other people are feeling excluded. Yeah. From working out in general. And I love that you said that because that's one of the things I talk about is like we all have our experience, but then it's like thinking beyond ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like if I'm feeling this way, like what are other people feeling like? Mm -hmm. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I want to pivot a little bit because you also talk about food deserts. 
in your yeah. book. Yeah. And I have to admit, it's not something that I'm too, too familiar yeah. with. But you talk about food deserts and how the push for organic and whole foods actually comes from a place of racism and ableism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would love for you to expand on that for the listeners. Yeah. So um, I actually have started calling it food apartheid. And I did not make that up, by the way. I read this from another educator because it's like very intentional. Like food desert makes yeah. it sound like it was like just happenstance. Mm-hmm. Right. And that you like, just I, ended up just in that place that where way. there is no food. Yes, exactly. And I was like, oh, you're right. It's, it's, it's very intentional. So like in this whole push for organic. Like and, it's an environmental thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like we live in Brooklyn. It, we literally live in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, we're, it's totally fine, yeah. right? Um, and so, you know, this whole idea that we should be eating organic food and like, you know, fresh produce and all these things that are very important, I think, for people. But there are like neighborhoods where systemically there are not grocery stores in yep. the neighborhood. Uh, there's not access to organic food. Like there's certain neighborhoods I live in. Um, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like there's certain neighborhoods that like don't have a grocery store within like a few mile radius. And so this idea that like everybody has access to these things is actually not, not true, true. Yeah. at all. Like it also uh, goes right along with like redlining, which like historically has like displaced um, communities and like set up communities without access to certain things, mm-hmm. especially like black and brown communities. And, and even in this idea of like we should all eat organic is also like steeped in privilege because everyone can't afford to yeah, buy organic whole food. It's so expensive. I think about myself. I'm single. I go to Trader Joe's and spend like way too much money. And I'm like, how would a person that's like feeding a family of three or four mm. be able to do that? How? how? And I even think about myself growing up. Like we didn't grow up with a lot of money. Like we did not eat organic whole anything. Like, oh my like, God, I appreciate my parents. I, I like I'm like, I'm glad. <laughs> like we I remember times we were eat like hamburger helper, right? Because it was cheap. Yeah. It could feed all of us. And it's I'm delicious. It's, too. I mean, it's also great. So it's like cheeseburger macaroni. I had a lot of cheese back a lot, a lot growing up. But it's like, you know, this idea that people who can't do those things don't care about their health. And right. it's like, no, we're they're making to, an effort. Trying to keep ourselves alive here, yeah. right? Yeah. So everybody's not gonna have access to organic, even if it is in the neighborhood, but a lot of times it's not even in the neighborhood. Yeah. No, yeah. My, my boyfriend last night brought home uh cheese doodles that are like honey flavored or oh. whatever. I've never had them. And I was wow. like, what are these? And he was like, When I lived with my friend in a place where there was like no food, I used to just get these because they were like the most savory tasting thing. Interesting. You yeah. Know? And it's like sometimes that's all there. I saw a woman on TikTok who was talking about how some uh, people will judge you for using frozen yes. vegetables versus fresh vegetables. And she's like, but that's what's available. So you can't Absolutely. put a moral judgment on that if this person is still trying to make a conscious effort to include vegetables. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things with like healthism, right? And that this idea that like, yeah, mm-hmm. frozen vegetables aren't as good or these things are better. And it's like people are doing the best they can with the resources they have available. And that's all we can do, really. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's pushed as a form of morality. Like Absolutely. you're morally better if you yeah. can eat the yes. freshest vegetables and they're all organic and you're morally worse if you're buying frozen vegetables. I mean, this is just an example, but like it, it does there is an element of morality in it when really some people simply cannot afford one mm-hmm. versus Absolutely. The other. I mean, and that's also part of diet culture is this idea of around morality around food, right? That's um, what people really don't understand when yeah. we say good foods and bad foods. They're yes. very, very still tied to you're saying that things don't have different nutritional value. We're like, no, no we are no, saying we would be crazy that. to say that. Assign yes. a moral value on food. On food. That's it. It's just that simple. Yeah. And like, of course, we know broccoli and cookies are different and have different yes. nutritional value. 
tell you, duh. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're saying. We're saying you you're went from a morally cookie better monster person. to broccoli monster. Right? <laughs> exactly. Does that mean he's nicer? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> also, give him a cookie. It's all he wants. Give him a cookie. That's it. Is that so bad? <laughs> so... Obviously, racism and diet culture, these are two topics that individually carry a lot of weight, but they're clearly connected as well. So like, how do we include racism into the the conversation about diet culture and dismantling it? Absolutely. So diet culture and racism, first off, I always have to credit Dr. Sabrina Strings has an amazing book called Fearing the Black Body. And she talks about the intersection of racism and diet culture and its its inception in Mm -hmm. I got to read. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant book. So one of the things she explains in that book is if we look back in history, there are times in history that living in a larger body was not considered bad. It was actually like a sign of prosperity and a sign of like you're doing well because you have excess food, right, that you can consume. And then there came a point in history where we're like, oh, no, no, we don't do that anymore. And that's the inception of slavery. (laughs) And so when we're thinking about enslaved people, larger bodies, uh, more muscular physiques because of Mm -hmm. all the labor they were doing. Mm -hmm. And there was a time we were trying to, we meaning the country, was trying to create this system of hierarchy, which is white supremacy, which bodies are better, which bodies are worthy of respect. Mm -hmm. And so that's the time that fatness became linked to blackness. And also, (sighs) yeah, so fatness and blackness became linked and all this idea of laziness gluttony, Uh um, that people like in those bodies weren't worthy of respect, really is a justification for Uh enslaving people. Um, And so it's during that time period that people felt this pull to be opposite of any of those things. And so that's when people really fell into this desire to be in a thin body, to live in a thin body, and also that there's this moral virtue attached to being thin, Uh that it makes you, says all these positive things about you. And Uh so when we're thinking about diet culture and fat phobia, like literally the inception of slavery. That is so wild. I never yeah. thought of it. And it's so obvious, too. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot to uncover, yeah, unpack. It's horrible. There. I yeah. mean, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize as well. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the body positive movement itself yes. was started by fat black women. Yes. Yeah. The body positivity space was created by fat black and brown women. And one of my beefs with the positivity body positivity space now is that it's been co-opted by a lot of thinner body white women. And it's, not, again, not to say that body positivity uh, Look at us serve. host in this podcast. <laughs> no. No, no, I'm not. It's a, very, it's a very valid criticism. It's a very I mean, valid criticism. I personally do think that the expansion of a movement Yes, it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing at all. But we can't forget where it came from. Yeah. And we yes. can't change it into something that actually excludes people. Yes. Yeah. And it's also like remembering who's being centered in the movement as now, right? So I always say, of course, the body positivity space benefits everyone. And everyone is welcome to be a part of the movement. But mm-hmm. we have to, again, think about our positionality, think about our experiences, whose uh, voices are being centered, who feels like they're excluded from the movement now. Yeah. And just keeping that in mind. And again, I always go back to this really important part is always to remember there is a difference between saying, I don't personally like the body I exist in. I have things about my body I don't like versus living in a body that's systemically oppressed. Totally. And understanding those are two different experiences. And also when people are taking over a space, I feel like there's uh, a lot of ladder pulling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like they get to where they are. They took a certain ladder. And then once they're there, they pull the ladder up and they don't let other people come up into that same space because they're like, I did it. Yes. Uh, I'm done. Yes. I did the I did the thing. I did the thing. Yeah. And and I think Angela Bassett. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) 
gonna be now it's gonna start all over. Angela Bassett did the thing. I, it's gonna start all over my head. I had that in my head for the last week. Do you not know? I'm so lost. Oh man, you gotta watch it later. It's well, so ever good. since I've been Wait, reading that you're coming thing? in, I've been singing Chrissy Wake Up. So oh, yeah. I love it. Yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not as um fluent in TikTok as okay. I should be. <laughs> She's not chronically online like us. That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah it you is. Call that a win. Uh, Healthy. Yeah, but you want to be in the loop, you know? You want to you know A win is a win. A win is a win. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Wait, is that a TikTok yes. thing? It absolutely is. I feel like I'm a wallflower. No, no, you're dance. not excluded. We love you. Um, So here's kind of like a related question. Yeah. As two white women who are in the wellness space, what should we be doing to to move this forward and to like to really acknowledge the racism that plays into diet culture? Since we talk about diet culture all the time and breaking out of it, how do we incorporate that into our practice? I mean, I think having this conversation is a big part of it, right? Like, I think, you know, a lot of people, for one, don't understand I mean, the, a lot of people don't even know that the body positivity space was started by fat black and brown women, yeah. right? A lot of people don't understand the intersection of racism and diet culture. Mm-hmm. And so like literally just having more conversations like this, I think is important because I don't think that everyone is out there just trying to do harm. I just think they are uneducated about some yeah, of these things. Yeah, no, I think it's more like you just see the hashtag yeah, and you think, like, that's oh, fun. it's positive. That's great. Yeah. And then you hop on without maybe knowing the historical Absolutely. context. Absolutely. So I think just like educating ourselves about that and just being really mindful about how we can elevate marginalized voices and mm-hmm. all of our experiences, I think is work that we can all do. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And I think it also goes into accessibility too. Yeah. You know, like we are talking about body positivity, but what about spaces that aren't accessible to people in wheelchairs? What about yes. spaces that aren't accessible to people who um, are deaf? You know, like there's all a of lot those. of ways to go and to keep incorporating people. I think where a lot of people go wrong is they go, Okay, yeah, um, we're part of this and we're part of this, but not you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, once you started the not you, then you've lost the plot. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, you can't really call something inclusive if you're yeah. saying not you. Yeah. And I think, too, like everybody wants to be inclusive. That's like the cool thing now. But I, to your point, like when we're calling ourselves inclusive, that means we really have to do the work to be inclusive yeah. in all the ways. Yeah. And like if you're not up to do the work in all the ways, like that's cool. But just don't call yourself inclusive because the reality is you're not. Mm-hmm. Right. So like own that or own. These are this. These are the this is who this space is open for. And we're working on these other things. Mm-hmm. But like just be realistic with yourself about maybe I'm not as inclusive as I think I am. Mm-hmm. And I know it's cool to be inclusive now, but like you actually have to do the work. To some people, it is not cool. Some people I mean, some really people, yeah, hate us for this. That's true. It's true. You're right. But also, if you're feeling like you're at the place where you're like, but I thought I was inclusive and I'm getting like irked by some of these things, like that's okay. I think a lot of people like you come up against that and stuff. And that's just like a, a growth opportunity. Yes. And just recognize something that you don't know and maybe go in, educate yourself a little more. But like I always try to put it in people that can't see it for like the everyone picture. I try to put it in a selfish way. You know, yeah. Um, where I'm like, okay, imagine yourself. You woke up in another body tomorrow. Is the world fair for you? Imagine yourself. You wake up in a body 80 years from now. You can't walk anymore. How do people treat you? Yes. You know, like try to think of it in a selfish way, in order to understand empathy. That's good. Yeah. No, that is <laughs> no, really yeah, good, good, though. I think that's so important, and I think 
one of the things with like fat phobia that just made me think of is like this idea that you're like, oh, I don't have a fear of fat people. Like I support fat people. Everyone thinks it's Every, a fear. Right. And it's, it's like, it's not, it's a fear. And, yeah. and I always challenge people to think about what you just said. Like if I woke up in a larger body tomorrow, how would I feel about it? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to say like, oh, it's fine for people to be in larger bodies. I support that. I'm down friends. with that. I have fat friends. But not, but, me. It, but not me. And then if you were in that body, how would you feel about it? And that's where you can really start to understand like where the work needs to be done in terms of your own personal fat phobia. Yeah. We have talked about traveling before in regard to oh people gosh. on larger bodies, yes. how like it's tougher and like, yeah. you know, you can't fit on a plane and stuff. But I've also seen videos of women being like, hey, I'm black and I'm traveling to this country. How is the racism there? Uh, listen, I got to check any country I go to. I need to know. I need to ask black friends that have been there. I mm-hmm. need to check on the blogs because you just don't know. And I went to mm-hmm. I spent like two weeks in the south of France this last fall. And I like asked around and got very mixed reviews about how the experience was going to be. And I was like, I'm not going to let that stop me from going somewhere that I want to go. I'm sorry, where were you traveling? The south of France. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Riviera. Yeah. I was in the French Riviera. Um, and I went to Sandra Pay. Like I had like a little tour. It was great. Stunning. And but I was like a little bit apprehensive going in because I was like, I just not sure how this is going to go. Yeah. Um, I end up having like the best time. I had a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also traveling with someone white. So there, you know, who knows? But mm-hmm. I had a great time. But anytime I'm going somewhere to a country I've never been to before, like I want to check just so I know what I might be walking into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's so interesting. And some people have never considered that. Yeah. I've never considered that. I mean, we we had a, a guest, Megan Ixum, come in and she was talking about being in groups traveling while fat. Mm, and yeah. that was also something that I had never considered. I think if you don't know somebody who belongs to these groups, you might never know. And that's not a fault of your own, but there's always more education that can be done on yourself, too. Yeah. I mean, one of the wildest thing I will say about traveling while black is especially if you go to countries where it's not common, like mm-hmm. strangers literally stop to take pictures with you. Yeah. And I'm like... Yes, I'll pose for a picture with you. It's so wild. It's that wild. is hilarious. I feel yeah. like white people don't understand that until they go to Tokyo. Yes. And because then. if you're if you're like tall and white in Tokyo, then people do stare at you a lot. Mm-hmm. Too. Yeah. I had a friend who's like, I guess, the first blonde person to be around Giza. Oh, wow. And a lot of people took photos with her. Such a wild experience. Yeah. Celebutante. Celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chrissy, I'm obsessed with you. Same. uh, Congrats on your book. Thank you. Where can people find the book again? The Body Liberation Project? Yeah, absolutely. You can buy the book on my website, chrissyking.com backslash book or anywhere books are sold. Oh, Chrissy, where can people find you personally? Absolutely. Um, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter is all the same. I am Chrissy King and then my website is chrissyking.com. Amazing. Follow Chrissy. Follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. If you like this episode, which I know you did, please write us a review. And don't forget to check out our DST merch on shop.betches.com. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. And then, of course, follow me at Remy Casimir. Follow me at Lubination. And, of course, we're always with you. Through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Aliza Zinn. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Aliza Zinn. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com or your voicemails to 212-287-5650. Betches.